0: Hello, hello, hello! I am your Ted Allen, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz, and welcome to In Yo Mouth. Oh.
1: In Your Mouth.
0: I'm the queen of food, who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good. Show oh, you how to. Oh hug. God, that's good. I wanna know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Your Mouth. I got mouth. the goosebumps. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the Moses Munoz, and how y'all doing out there? How are you all doing? I'm serious, because whoo-ish is crazy out there, and I hope we are all finding times of meditation and peace and finding ways to bring some joy into our lives through the mess that the world is today Um and, yeah, that's the message for right now. I'm keeping it short and sweet on on this episode because I really want to get to the getting on. The other thing I want to mention before we get to today's guest is that it's a uh, shout-out to Cesar Munoz, my older brother. It was just his birthday. And, um, yeah, shout-out to you. I never really talk about him on this podcast, I realized, four years later. But I love you, and it's your birthday, and you don't listen anyway, so... <laughs> But at least I have receipts, right? That's what it's all about for the gays. It's all about the receipts. Listen, folks, I am so excited about today's guest. He, I actually have known this person for quite some time, but not at the same time. It's a really interesting journey that we have been on together and not together and so without further ado please help me welcome the one the only lucas vulgar hi how are you
1: hi thank you i'm so good i'm so happy to be here
0: I'm happy to have you, and I can't wait to tell the listeners a little bit of our story. But first and foremost, I cannot thank you enough for giving me of your time today, and it's such an honor and a pleasure to have you finally (laughs) face-to-face.
1: I know, I was just thinking that um, right when I was getting set up, I was like, have we met in person before? I don't know if we have we we have. This is the closest we've come to it. IRL. This is, a,
0: you know, <laughs> but like Karen Carpenter once said, "We've only just begun." That's true. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But Lucas, before we get anywhere in the grand tradition of in your mouth, I need to wish you Happy National Meatball Day.
1: Oh, it's National Meatball Day. Yeah. Thank you. That's exciting. Yeah
0: right now let's get into it let's get into the balls of it all <laughs> if we may <laughs> are we uh, are now i know that you are not strictly vegetarian but you eat mainly vegetarian but yeah. are if you were to make a meatball is it a is it a veal pork beef
1: what's the what's the ratios here what are we doing ooh i mean i have been making can I can it be a veggie veggie ball? That's like my I, I feel could, like the
0: It could be whatever ball pleases you.
1: Okay, I'm I'm gonna go with a, a veggie ball and the one that's coming to mind is like uh I used to have like this like veggie burger business and I made them out of like carrots and parsnips and almonds and that was really good. Um that's there's there's my ball.
0: Yeah. <laughs> ball, singular. Yeah, I singular. love that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? It's really, really funny that you went a veggie route because I, I didn't even really think about it. But, like, obviously there's, like, the Impossible Meatballs, too. And and you also, I know and have seen firsthand that you, you've had this long, like, you know, veggie burger business as well. So, yeah, I I could be here for a veggie ball, right?
1: Why I mean, it just, it just seems to be so much of my life, like, that's what I... That's, that's where that's where any any kind of ground meat thing, I'm like, oh okay, there's there's like a veggie counterpart to that and must be an yeah. interesting way to, to make a veggie meatball. Yeah, and yeah. There definitely yeah. is.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of the turkey balls, right? All you know what? As long as any ball, I'm a fan of any ball. <laughs> the shape is all that
1: matters. And the same thing is true <laughs> of veggie burgers. People used to like get get upset about veggie burgers. They're like, oh that's not a that's not a burger, but um, if it was made of shrimp or if it was made of, like, turkey or fish or whatever, nobody seems to matter about, the, like, the terminology. But when it's made of veggies, somehow people, like, start to take issue with it. But similar yep. to burgers, balls, it's just the shape that matters.
0: Listen, Lucas, here on In Your Mouth, we don't discriminate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're in luck because today's a double day. It's also National Crab Day. Ooh,
1: that's a fun one.
0: Yeah, right? Uh, and I hope they're talking about, like, crabs, the sea animals, uh, as opposed to... The good to, ones. Yeah. Right? The good crabs <laughs> as opposed to the bad crabs. <laughs> yeah. I actually can't wait till summer. And um, hopefully I get to a chance to head out to the Cape and, you know, have all the seafood And whatnot, I I am here for both of these days. Uh, Wouldn't you say these are you got two good days? This was a uh...
1: I would say so. It's funny that they're happening right now because I don't think of like for seasonal. I I don't know. I don't even actually know what the season of crab is. But is it is today crab day? because it's in season right now or is it just crab day randomly or i i
0: don't don't know know. who makes the rules but i would love to find this person
1: yeah
2: and
0: have a full conversation about how was this decided upon
1: or
2: did you just
0: or or did you just like throw things out on a table and wherever it landed on the calendar that was the day
1: that's that's my guess it it hadn't been taken and so like the the crab uh, coalition was like we got to get a crab day on the calendar
0: yeah absolutely <laughs> well, in your mouth listeners, whether you like balls or you or you have crabs or or uh you know what this one's for the, the all the vegetarians out there, right? but we support you no matter what you celebrate is what I'm trying to get at <laughs> and moving yeah, right along to this day in gay history, folks, in your mouth has always been a break from the news cycle but It would be a big disservice to everything that I stand for if I just don't at least mention it and, um, you know, give tribute to, obviously, every week I give tribute to our LGBTQ ancestors. But today, in gay history, I want to dedicate it to all of our LGBTQ plus family in the Ukraine fighting for their lives and their homes. We stand with you. We are with you, and, you know, um, I'm seeing a lot of what I would call performative posting, Lucas, out there. And I I urge you all out there, if you can, even if it's a dollar, I am a big advocate that one person can really make a difference. Please find some place to put your efforts to good use to or your money. And like the Be Strong campaign, you, uh, in your mouth, listeners. I know you know out there that I'm a big Bethany Housewives fan. Bethany Frankel does a lot of great work with her Be Strong campaign. So whether you like her or not, she's doing the work on the ground. Uh, Chef Jose Andres with World Central Kitchen. I think the Rainbow is it the Rainbow Railroad. I I can't imagine they're not doing something as well. You know, um, times are hard, and for maybe as not so great as some people have it out there we have to kind of think of the bigger picture here
1: yeah you know wouldn't absolutely it wouldn't Also in Florida and Texas all these poor trans youth that are being persecuted by the by their states a lot of grassroots orgs down there to anyway there's yes. so many options if you want to share some of your resources. Yes, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And that's where I'm going to leave today in gay history. But I really want to get to the getting on because I'm actually super excited to have you here, Lucas. In your mouth, listeners, if you don't know, and you probably already do, Lucas Volker is a writer, recipe developer, and editor. He is the author of five cookbooks. Did you hear that five that focus on fun weeknight friendly vegetarian cooking, including snacks for dinner, which will be released in May. Other cook other books include Start Simple Bowl and veggie burgers every which way. He also co- uh, co-founded and edited the queer food journal Jari and founded Made by Lucas, a line of fresh premium veggie burger mixes sold throughout the tri-state area. He lives in Brooklyn, just in case you wanted to know. Hi and welcome. <laughs> but I kind of want to start um, that uh, and tell the kids out there that we have kind of been side by side and crossing paths for a very, very long time.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: Um, since I had my first food blog, uh, may she rest in peace. Right. To I don't and I can't remember quite how it happened, but I feel like at least you've been on my radar at every at every turn and every new thing that you're doing. And I'm always on the up and up and like just like kind of. In the background, being like, "What's he up to now?" Right, (laughs) and it's and it's really been a joy and such um, a pleasure to see you grow and to see you kind of do all these really amazing things.
1: Oh, thank you. That's I mean, the same is said. I say the same to you. It's I I think I felt like uh, my my involvement with Jari just made me realize like how vast this. You know, we know that like the LGBT communities, plural, it's like no monolith. But then. Even within like the the food of you know the food circles within the the queer food circles, there's also not a monolith, and there's so many different things that people are doing and so many different ways. People are exploring the, um, you know, building community and look, you know, exploring history and exploring like ways of expressing queerness through food. It's it's really kind of crazy how much is going on, and it's it's impossible to even uh, track all of it. <laughs> To be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm certainly trying via this podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's the, which, which came to me, I guess, at this point, right? Because <laughs> yeah. this started out very different. But it's really interesting. It was so, I mean, I couldn't even put a year on it, but it had to be any time between 2009 and 2012 that like we've kind of first crossed paths. And it's just... And back then, it was very few of us out there, you know, kind of on this, like, queer food journey, but not necessarily leading with that. You know what I mean?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, at that time, I I didn't really start thinking about it in—you've been doing this longer than me— I think of, um, if 2009, because we started in 2015, we were thinking about it 2014, but and I think in the t- 2009 to 2012 area, that's when I, I became a started of become aware that there was this thing happening, but it was sort of like behind the scenes. It wasn't like, it wasn't advertised. And I don't know. It wasn't, you certainly weren't like framing yourself as like, I'm an out and proud queer chef or like cookbook author or whatever. It's yeah. just, but you, I was becoming aware that like these, the food world was so infiltrated with queer people, <laughs> yeah, and that uh, it was a really like safe and like super creative place.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't necessarily know if we can call it safe, um, but that's a larger conversation because I, I hear stories every week, right? Some great, some. Some indifferent and others, you know, crazy just about what what the behind the scenes in the kitchen and the catering and and the rest of that, uh, you know, yeah, that's
1: true. I guess I'm thinking more of like food, the styling media, the like just the the way in which gay people especially gay men have been drawn to this industry in such yeah, a way I mean, that but
0: we've been here
1: we've yeah, been, exactly. here.
0: We've been yeah. here since the beginning and it's just I love I I really really love at least the trajectory that I've been on because I since the beginning I have been really blessed right cuz at first it was all about me and now it's transitioned into the this form of the media where it's kind of a platform for everybody right and mm-hmm. But even from the beginning, I've cast this like really large web of really fabulous food people. You being one of them, and you know it. It's so it's so great and so fun to walk into that store the first time. I forget where. Oh, it was when Gotham West had their little um, market, and your
1: veggie burgers were in there. I think that's oh, where. Oh yeah, saw the Brooklyn them. Kitchen. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> they look at that. Just kind of a short-lived. Um, what, what would we call them? Like a whole uh, stockist? That was the word the in the Stalkist. grocery lingo.
0: Oh, stop. Well, nobody yeah. knows what that is.
1: <laughs> well, it's it just was, like a, a it grocery was a store fan- that carries your product. Is it
0: was. Or it was a fancy ass grocery store, yeah. in your mouth, listeners, real fancy in this real fancy building down on the West Side Highway here in Midtown Manhattan, called uh, Gotham West, and. Mm-hmm. That it's like one of those like cafeteria esque sort of fancy cafeteria communal eating sort food of hall places, food hall. There, that's I've the um,
1: Ivan Ramen was in there too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that.
0: But let's now that we got that covered, let's go back and start at the very beginning, and where I always love to start, a la Julie Andrews, and ask you, where did this love and this penchant for food come from?
1: It was, um, I wish I had like an easy answer for this. I think it was, my my job in high school, I worked at a bakery that, that was uh, like a bread bakery and they did sort of simple pastry, like cookies and muffins and breakfast pastry type stuff. Um, and I was hired there to work the counter and assemble the sandwiches, but then sort of moved into production. And I really loved... Um, I just love doing that work. I love like the one pound blocks of butter and the you know, the scale of everything, and I love like the repetition and really like developing a feel for things rather than just going by the recipe. Um, and that you know, I'd always like enjoyed sort of like cooking with my mom, and I'd always loved cookbooks, but like getting my hands like involved in it in that way just really clicked for me. And um, and then I kept doing that through college i worked um in a restaurant here on the upper east side uh called the blue grotto where i was a prep cook and line cook and was uh baking for them as well and it was just like a, i just really enjoy the cooking um uh, did you go to school
0: i didn't do i didn't culinary. do culinary
1: school no i just no. worked as I, I went to hunter here in the city yeah um and and then you know it sort of got to be clear that like I wasn't make. I was going to make enough money. The conditions were kind of bad. The hours were bad. The conditions were, you know, the conditions being like being in this dark basement and then working when everybody else is off and never getting to see my friends. And mm-hmm. so I sort of, I, I didn't seem like a viable path. Um, but that I that was so foundational for me, like learning to cook in that way, even like learning to like meze and you know, in the on the line and think rather than like the micro of an ingredient instead you like you prep all these building blocks of of each dish and then sort of assemble them on the line and I don't know that and that the practice of the repetition I think that's what really made me love like love cooking really you know cooking as a lifestyle and cooking as a as a as a real habit and something that I can like improve on and learn more about constantly um yeah I would say like I think the professional kitchen is is what I would sparked the interest
0: yeah and i can absolutely agree and relate to that because you know being a big old musical theater queen from the early 2000s throughout right most of the time uh as you're pounding the pavement you're also working crazy hours front of the house in a restaurant and growing up my mother i owe it shout out to you mama gladys right can cook the house down but she has her staples in her puerto rican kitchen and it's this and then there's like uh a killer lasagna a meat lasagna and so on and so forth and so seeing the passion behind the line just as a waiter and and have getting to taste and experience that in a different way uh in in a very similar way to you sparked that That love for me, too, because I'd always I'd always come back and be like, how did they do that? Like, how did how did that work? What are they doing over there? And and then and then, um, oh, my God, sorry, (laughs) I'm so scatterbrained that I was thinking of that Wendy Williams. Have you ever seen that Wendy Williams clip? I forget what it's in reference to. And she's in her office and she's like, what am I going to wear? What will they say? <laughs> what am I gonna do? Right? Yes, I and, see that. <laughs> and as I was speaking, I, I, I was like, "Do I sound like that clip right now?" No, you
1: definitely don't.
0: <laughs> oh my goodness, off the rails. Sorry. And so I'd go home and I'd recreate, and then I'd come back with questions, and it'd be this volley, and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, unbeknownst to me, I had an arsenal of, you know cooking under my belt without even like trying. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? You know what I mean?
1: Did you have a moment where things like clicked and you're like, Oh, I can actually, I feel like I could reverse engineer a recipe or I can sort of like take this, I could take this sort of like base knowledge and then, make it my own, you
0: know? You know what? It was, it's a tribute to, I went to school for classical voice and, but the only way I could go to school to sing was to tell my mother I was going to school to be a music teacher, right? So I have Mm. a degree in music education and through a really incredible school. And they, um, it wasn't until then that I learned about the different ways people learn. And I'm a kinesthetic learner. Like I learn through doing, like Mm. I just have to do it. And so in doing, like fast forward through the restaurants and going home to recreate, and in doing, I was like, oh, I know how to do this. So there there wasn't necessarily an aha moment or like a moment where I realized this, but because I was doing it, there was a no fear factor in the, when I went to think about, oh, how would I make this? I would be like, oh, well, I've already done X, Y, and Z. And this is, it's just rearranging the math, yeah. you know, to do the whatever else I want to create. You know, does that yeah. make sense to you? Makes sense. I kind of had
1: the same thing. where I, uh, After my mom died, um, I went, I uh, got a little bit of money from her, like life insurance settlement or whatever that was, but, um, and used that to go spend two months in Europe. And I was living in Paris and she had always made beef bourguignon and she had this recipe that was like, you know the beef bourguignon is the special occasion thing and then I remember like going to the market and realizing like oh you know what I think I could make that without a recipe and like not to say which is like I had the recipe memorized but I had like sort of like the um I understood how it worked and so I could make my own broth and I could work with these things over here and you try this other and it just I feel like that was this like oh recipes are like uh, you know they're they're a guide, and it really all comes down to like technique. And once you understand technique, a recipe becomes like your your expression of the technique. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I've just been because I feel like the food world has gotten um, it's changing again. Right back to back to sim, uh, simpler things and messier things, and and the things that we're being fed aren't as clean and And I'm not speaking about you because your website and your recipes are stunning.
1: Right? Oh, I do want to know who you are speaking about though
0: <laughs> go 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 check it out, but no, like all the all the creators out there, all the big creators out there are throwing things and and it's the what i what I call and no shade Rachel Ray, all tea no shade, Rachel Ray, but it's the Rachel Ray effect, you know, in the sense of it's not necessarily measuring it's not it's not it's a rough chop it's Mm. it's you know it's a glug yeah yeah it's a glug it's a it's a throw it's a oh i spilled it whatever you know uh it's a oh if you added a little too much lemon uh, a lemon whatever you know what i mean and so (laughs) um i i feel like we're seeing more of that and and less finesse being fed to the home cook
1: yeah I can see that it does seem like there's been and maybe this is also like the result of the never-ending tumult of the past several years but like people just want comfort and so that the nostalgia is playing a big part in these things and people don't really want you know like I I even I feel this way it's like I want something I know is going to be really good and nourish me and satisfy me and make me feel comfortable and so I'm going for like the mac and cheese or whatever, that the recipe that I know really works. I feel like this is, Eric Kim had like the Velveeta mac and cheese in the New York Times. And, I and it was like the most popular recipe in, for, it was one of the most popular up. recipes of the year, which I feel like is so testament to the, the times that we're living in, that it's that rather than something, you know, that is, has all these yeah. bells and whistles and like sort of new ideas in there. It's like, we, we want the familiarity.
0: Yeah, um, and we—I was just talking last week to Chef Cicely Sierra about mm-hmm. um, cooking competitions and how I don't know if you've ever been approached, but how the the number one question they always ask you is what's your culinary point of view? And one thing that I you just reminded me of that I've always been on a soapbox of is taking it—you know. Uh, you can do it too it's this it's the simplicity it doesn't necessarily have to be so so complicated and so you know finesse it can be if that's what you want but like yeah if i can do it here you can do it anywhere and it's just it's it's this it's this comfort in in the uncomplicated
1: yeah i'd say that yeah totally
0: you know um, but I kind of want to move on. This is great, right? But we can be here. Yeah, I feel like you and I are going to be here for the next five hours <laughs> on this topic. I want to move on to the magazine, the burgers, and how that all came about. You know, like what made you one day, you know, roll out of bed and say, you know what, I'm just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna market veggie burgers, and then create this whole uh, magazine, queer magazine, you know, based around food and culture
1: well the veggie burger so I, my first cookbook was focused on veggie burgers and that was the result i worked in book publishing for about 10 years and got to know um, an editor who went off to start his own publishing in print and he actually approached me and said hey do you know anybody who could write a cookbook about veggie burgers and at the time I was eating a lot of them and cooking a lot of them. And I was like, well, oh, I'll think about it. And then once I started thinking about it, I was like, you know what? I feel like I could actually do that. I've been active on the internet developing recipes for my like old blog spot blogs and, and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and so I put together a proposal and sent it to him. And I had uh, spent enough time in book publishing to know that, so many cookbooks are just a flash in the pan. And I actually fully expected that to be the case for me. I was like, okay, this will be something to do as I sort of transition out of book publishing and I was cooking. And I think I was actually waiting tables at the time too. And also I'm doing a little bit of like personal chefing. Um, and I was like, this will just kind of help me get through this period until I figure out what my next career is going to be. And then the, I ended up just loving the process so much of uh recipe development and, um, and I always talk about like the going from laptop to stovetop to laptop to stovetop, And so like n- taking notes as you cook. And I really love doing that. Um, and so, and the book ended up being um, enough of a success that I was able to write another one. But in the process of writing that book, I ate every single, you know, I started out the book when I was writing it, eating all the frozen veggie burgers at the grocery store and sort of taking notes on them. And then I developed all my recipes and, and, um, and polish them off And then at the end of that process I was like, okay, let's go back And try these frozen veggie burgers again And it was, like, kind of shocking How bad the frozen ones tasted After I had, like, been living in this world Of, like, okay, these are all homemade They're either very vegetable-oriented None of them are really trying to, like, taste like meat Or any, like, anything like that um, And so I felt like there was an opportunity there To sort of create something different In the veggie burger space And that's what led to that, that business um, And it was it was like a fresh um, veggie burger mix so you could like scoop the mixture. I'm explaining to a listener. I know yeah, you, you're yeah. familiar. You could scoop it out of the uh, container and then shape them into patties or shape them into little meatballs or whatever. But you could treat this like veggie mixture as if it was ground meat. Um, and it was fresh. I sourced all the local, all the vegetables from the Hudson Valley area. Um, there it was a, a vegan product as well. Um, sold it throughout um, like the Whole Foods, the tri-state region. Um, but it was an incredibly difficult business and it made me realize like why a lot of the veggie burgers that are on the market are the way they are they you know first off they're in the frozen food section second off they're I'd sort of like they're engineered in a lab you know that, to make yeah. them you know to withstand what happens when food goes through the freezer and also just make them shelf stable which is what grocery stores need And so it was an incredibly uh, enriching and wonderful experience, but it was not something that I, the the compromises I was going to have to make to the product in order to make it actually viable were um, not anything I wanted to do. And so then I switched back to focusing on my writing and editing and that stuff. And then Jari was like kind of just a completely separate but parallel thing um, I've always kind of thought of myself as a little bit on the fringe of the food world even though I've been doing food for a long time um, I never was like I, I had short stints in, in the restaurants when I was pretty young and then um, my cookbook stuff has always been a little bit on the on the indie side and, and pretty small like I worked with a small publisher um, and you know it wasn't by any means like I, you know I've, I've now been doing this long enough that I've I'm feeling some like momentum on, on, uh, on the work that I've been doing, but I've always felt like a little bit of an outsider, even in the cookbook space. And, um, and then even just in the, in the food world, it's, it's like so focused on women and moms. And, and so being in this space is also, I felt a little bit of an outsider there and tried like, even though those are people who buy all the cookbooks and certainly I do connect with them on some level, but, um, never really being one of them, and so I, I, I've always thought a little bit about the outsiderness of the work that I've been doing, and and then wondered how that ties to like being gay and like and being queer, and and then at some point, I don't know if this is completely related to that, but there was this article in the Cut or in New York Magazine um, where the writer Jessica Pressler um, coined the term duty, which is a dude foodie and it was i think this is the time when people were like bringing sous-vide machines into their kitchens and mm-hmm. this like straight men were just like kind of over the top like pig over the whatever it's called that we you know cook, doing all this kind of bombastic over the top cooking but they don't know how to scramble eggs or like make a vinaigrette it's and so that's like duty cooking and it was such a funny article and i I think it it, it, uh, it really elicited a strong reaction from a lot of people. And I just thought it was so funny. And then I was like, well, that's not really how gay men cook. As far as, I mean, gay men, certainly there's something showy to what they do, but they know their technique and like they know their references and they're pretty like schooled in it. And so it made me wonder, if it, it just it planted the seed of a food magazine dedicated to, um, at, at the time, I was only really thinking about focusing on gay men. And I wanted to call it Goody, <laughs> like <laughs> gay foodie rather than duty. Um, but that didn't take off. But then I sort of, the idea was in my mind. And then I ended up meeting Alex and Steve, who co founded the magazine together. And they were interested in being involved. And then it sort of took off from there.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, how funny that you said uh, duty. Because um, I remember, <laughs> I. I <laughs> I remember that article and it's kind of it's it's interesting hearing this story cuz it's kind of the way this in your mouth uh, this podcast grew into its own because since the beginning I've been screaming at the top of my lungs that there's an entire queer food movement happening that no one's paying that no one's paying attention to that now right there are a few more people paying attention to and and still much like you with with Jari, you know, giving space to the the queer community in food, like this this podcast, like kind of resonates in the same way of of hearing these stories that aren't necessarily hyper-masculine, aren't like Gordon Ramsay right led kitchens yeah. and and yeah. things like that. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a lovely man, but he's made a bajillion dollars off of toxic kitchen culture, you know? Yeah,
1: totally. Uh, Or or even like the Anthony Bourdain thing with that that personality really representing like what it means to be like male. And
0: (laughs) and I mean uh, and there's over I mean there's, there has to be over 200 episodes now. Of like just like queer stories and food, right? And yeah, and, and it's magical. And and I think so too. And it's out there. And and you know, you can listen it, to it here. You can read it in Jari. You know, funny story. Before we got cut out to the break, um, way back when in college, my best friend Michael and I were obsessed with Jerry Springer. And the you know Jerry Springer had all sorts of madness on the show, <laughs> as we all know. And Jerry was great about, like, you know, Jerry was great about baiting people, right? That's why the show was so good. He would bait them, they'd give him what he wants, and then madness would ensue. (laughs) And he was, like, alluding that this guy was having some sort of homosexual affair. And he goes, this man goes, Jari, Jari, you ain't going to come on national TV and call me gay, Jari. And so we were obsessed. Obsessed that he kept calling Jerry Springer Jari, right? Even though your name comes from old, uh, old... Um, Polari. Polari. There we yeah. go. Right? Uh, care to explain what Polari is for the kids before we cut out to the break?
1: Um, it is it's sort of a vernacular similar to like ball, really? you know, like the yeah. voguing, um, but... Employed both, in that early 20th century, sort of Western Europe areas among like gay men, such yeah. so like to zhuzh your hair, that's a Polari word, or bona drag, like Morrissey's bona drag, that's Polari. And in uh, in Polari, Jari, and I've actually been corrected by um, Simon, oh my God, what's his name? The Sax, or uh, Simon, married Cowell? to Jonathan Adler?
0: Simon Schuster. Simon, I'm just naming Simon's.
1: Oh, I'm I'm having a real like mind fart right now, but um, he is fluent in um, in Polari, and he said it's actually pronounced Jerry. So we, but oh. we were too far gone at that point. Anyway.
0: And we've come full circle back to Jerry's. Yeah, exactly. So,
1: <laughs> but anyway, so- it means food in Polari. <laughs>
0: Lovely, lovely. Listen, we are we are ladies of a certain age. We are men of a certain <laughs> age, and we must teach the children because we we will soon be the gay forefathers. <laughs> yeah. I
1: don't know if we aren't already.
0: <laughs> oh my God, this is such a great conversation. Any of my listeners, I want to take a quick break for that to make three cents off this ad, and then we're going to come back with your favorite part of the pod.
2: Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
0: All right, folks. I'm going to take Lucas out to my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call Food News Update. News food up. News Ooh, honey, you ain't ready, girl. Spill the G. News Update. Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen are already on the ground to help feed Ukraine. The chef and his nonprofit are posting video reports from relief efforts at the Ukrainian border and paying local chefs to cook meals inside the country as well. You know, I thought it was important. Um, you know, I'm trying to... Uh, you know, give us all a break, but we need to support Chef Jose Andres. And actually, I was really happy reading this today, Lucas. I don't know if you've you've heard um, about yeah, this.
1: I have. I'm blessed him. I mean, what an actual saint! Um, yeah. I And just logistically, how he does it, and he the way he just shows up like instantly with this fleet of people, it's incredible. I, it, I, it
0: really is. He's he's. Uh... I, he's an outward hero. Um, I'm very outspoken about how much I, I really admire this man and what he does, what he's done for Puerto Rico, um, Louisiana, Texas, and now somehow he's on the board. He's on the ground. He. I know. There are is Instagram videos of him on the borders, like getting getting people
1: food. Mm. It also just speaks so much to what the. I mean, I hate to like be precious about this but like how tactile uh food and like i can't even articulate it but like the fact of like just needing to be fed and being able to feed somebody it's so simple and it's such a gesture that is like you can really do a lot with that there's like there's so much need for it there's and it seems so simple and it seems like almost so like cheap but it's it, it's also I, I, maybe you should edit this part out because I'm just no. rambling. But it's it's quite profound what he's doing.
0: It it, it really is. And and to your point, uh, I I'm sure maybe we all have seen uh, the clips of when the refugees are arriving in Poland. They're greeted with soup. I yeah. saw.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, and I I was thinking to myself, wow, soup. You know, I mean. You get on a plane; they, they they can barely give you a cookie, but like the the act of I making us a, a soup, you know, like think about like the comfort food going back to people wanting comfort, the comfort of that, like you know, soup reminds you of homes. Soup, yeah, soup reminds you of gathering. It's like soup is so communal, it's like, like and that warming. Really, like,
1: it's like it's a, a heat pad or something. It's just it's, healing. I can't, yeah, everything about it, it is yeah, completely. And the and fact I, I can only imagine. What one's needs would be in a situation like that, but yeah. soup would probably go a long way to uh, helping you know, to be some kind of balm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, it's practical as well, but to feed large amounts of people. But um, you know, I just wanted to give some space to to shout out Chef Jose Andres and World Central Kitchen. Um, you can obviously find them anywhere, right? Just Google. Just Google. They do great things and we are obviously here for this. Now on to something a little lighter. You can order customized Peeps for delivery this spring. Peeps are very controversial on this podcast. Lucas, I'm just going to let you know now. Oh,
1: God. I'm trying to remember. Wait. Are Peeps the little, like, uh, marshmallow chicky thingies? Yep. Okay you can do personalized peeps
0: now wait I mean, we have to start with are we are we for peeps or against
1: it's not my thing i'm i'm, I'm not a marshmallow person oh, so like you're so you anti peeps i guess i'm anti peeps but i actually support this i think it sounds like it would be fun for people <laughs> who like peeps <laughs>
0: I love that you got you got to play both sides of the fence. Yeah, here.
1: sorry. There's I can see I need to be diplomatic in this situation.
0: Listen, <laughs> we have had some peep arguments. We have had some candy corn arguments, some peeps arguments. Um we've had some real heated, you know, food debate on like controversial things like that people eat. Are are you a Cadbury egg lover? No. Oh, okay. Do we like candy at all?
1: I love candy. I think you just you hit two candies that just don't do it for me. Like I, it, I, now, is like chocolate my, candy? I, I know I love chocolate. I love chocolate candy. I just don't the egg. Something about the like filling inside it kind of grosses me out. Um, but <laughs> I, what my controversial candy, which is not going to sound nearly as controversial as these, I don't think. But a lot of people hate Twizzlers, and I actually. Really love Twizzlers. Who
0: hates Twizzlers? Who well, said they,
1: that? I think people think they taste like a Lego or something. It's like plastic. It's not like, it doesn't give, but to me, it's just like such a satisfying this texture is, and the flavor is just, I love Twizzlers.
0: I love a Twizzler too. This is, this is like, um, you know, hot news on Food News <laughs> Update that people hate Twizzlers. <laughs>
1: well, I mean. Sometimes. I'll have, to find some, I'll have to find some support you
0: know, for that. know, usually the debate is Twizzlers or Red Vines. That's oh, okay, where the well, debate comes in.
1: Twizzlers, you know? obviously.
0: Obviously Twizzlers. Well, a shout-out to Food & Wine for providing me or keeping me up to date, I should say, on all my food news, even though you're still not a sponsor, but it'll happen. <laughs> um, just Born Quality Confections, the, be- the Pennsylvania-based candy company behind Peeps Hot Tamales, Mike & Ike's, has re- recently launched My Peeps. Um, which—that's <laughs> clever. Uh, yeah, but like I feel like in gay slang that means something else sometimes.
1: Oh, see that would... <laughs> all right. Didn't even think to go there.
0: Yeah, well, you you're on a podcast called know. "In Your Mouth." Yeah. Hello? <laughs> put my peeps in your mouth. Hello, <laughs> what? <I gotcha>. Okay, <laughs> which allows customers to create their own peeps chicks to reflect their own. Fla- Favorite flavor combos. That was really hard to say. Uh, Through my peeps, mallow lovers start by choosing the color of their peeps, blue, pink, or yellow, before deciding whether to have each chick dipped in dark milk or white chocolate. Delicious. Chocolate and marshmallows? Uh, The final and perhaps toughest decision is picking what to top the chocolate with. The options include chocolate chips, confetti sprinkles, crushed pretzels, yes, crushed cookies, non sprinkles, or toasted coconut. And then you could personalize uh, the peeps. Will be dunked, uh, dipped, dunked, boxed, and shipped straight to your door. But I think they're a little expensive. They're like thirty dollars for two six-count boxes. Oh wow! For like twelve, twelve. I bucks. mean, they sound
1: pretty luxe, though. I mean, they I, do sound person, luxe. person, I would pay thirty dollars for personalized chocolate dipped peeps.
0: You know, if somebody wants to send me their peeps. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll, I'll take it. Listen, I am single and love a good marshmallow. Right? A marshmallow innuendo? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Lucas is here for the peeps, but I certainly am. And that's okay, because you know what? We support everybody here on the <laughs> podcast. And last but not least, oh, my goodness. <laughs> That controversial Everything Bagel ice cream is making a comeback. How do you feel about off-flavor ice creams?
1: I like them. I'm I'm in support of that. I love, like, miso incorporated into desserts. You know, Um,
0: did you watch, I think it was the last season of Bake Off, there was that um, woman who almost won, sorry, Uh, It's been out for a while, so no spoilers. If you haven't watched it by now, it's your fault. Um, Who almost won, who had to add miso in everything.
1: Oh, I didn't watch that. It was a great season. Yeah, I mean, it's just just like, it probably must be a similar thing to what MSG does. It just that umami, um, that sweet sort of savoriness that it's so good in caramel. And I just had like a miso-based ice cream the other night at dinner. It was so good.
0: I've never, I've never it. had it. I, I was intrigued by when she first did it, and then she did it again, and then I was like, all right, can, uh, enough with the miso. We, we get it, girl. <laughs> <We> <laughs> I
1: get it. We, mean, we I get can it. see that. A l- too much would, you, you know, you want to be delicate in your use of miso and desserts well
0: uh, yeah you know it's just every challenge you know every challenge i would i would be the one creating the drama on on bake off because there's (laughs) no drama as we know there's no drama i'd be like how many times give up the miso
1: (laughs) i think you need to try that though it's it's good
0: I'm I'm actually very curious, and if it if I find it someplace, I certainly will give it a try. But today we're talking about Ohio-based creamery, uh, Jenny's Splendid, and they're willing to take these king, kind of risks of adding crazy things to their ice cream. Uh, we've talked about the craft mac and cheese ice cream on this podcast before. We've talked about caramelized turkey and cranberry sauce ice cream and the Taylor ham ice cream, and now they are bringing back the their everything bagel ice cream which is a sweet cream cheese flavored ice cream with everything bagel seasoning
1: i can see that working i can the ham turkey caramelized turkey thing that those ones sound a little too much for me personally but the i'm imagining like you know when you make like a seedy brittle or something and you have so there's like You get, like, the savouriest... What'd you call me? A seedy brittle? (laughs) A seedy brittle. But, like, (laughs) you take a peanut brittle and you use, like, everything seasoned, you know, the sesame seeds and all that stuff. I can see that working. I think that would be really good.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about it. It sold out the last time they released it in record time in January 2021. And so now you have to get on a newsletter and, you know, pray... Pray to whomever you pray to, and you know, <laughs> do all the, you know. Put the crystals in the window, I think, to get your hands Hot on ticket. one of these. Yeah, yeah, on one of these items. But a lot of these companies I find are putting out uh, crazy. I, I, Oscar Mayer put out um, uh, a face mask with uh, a Korean, a very popular Korean beauty brand, and the face mask looked like a sheet of baloney. Oh my God, <laughs>
1: that's kind of funny. <laughs>
0: You know, so I'm I
1: trying to get a reaction, right? Is that this, the Internet has forced us to be like ever more extreme.
0: Exactly. <laughs> just... Absolutely. And I think, you know, I've had olive oil ice cream, olive oil, black pepper ice cream. Delicious. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, very good. Right. And I didn't even go someplace fancy for it in your mouth, listeners. You can afford it, too. It was like in Provincetown at the gelato shop. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, I think we're here for it. I, if Jenny's wants to send you and me a uh, a pint we will we will gladly oh, yeah. accept Absolutely. and come back and do and do a whole episode or something. And Any
1: know. other flavors any of the <laughs> other Jenny's flavors those are those are just some special ice creams I can tell.
0: As long as they send some lactose digestives for me to go along with uh, them, I'll yeah. be a okay. And I think that's the perfect way to end. Okay. The <laughs> <news> update. <laughs> Put that in your Jari magazine. <laughs> Maybe we should. Oh my goodness! Uh, so, I moving moving along here. I really loved um, just seeing the advertisement, if you will, for your next cookbook, snacks for dinner. Uh, I think it's a brilliant idea. I think it's the way I'm eating these days as well. Um, In the sense of everything's a shareable moment, right? down to even a large burger. Like let's just, let's just have a burger course. Yeah. Yeah, Let's have a burger course. Let's have a, let's have, and then you get to try more things on the menu and whatnot. Um, Tell, tell me about this journey. Tell us all about it.
1: Yeah, well, it's. Um, it's like, I'm still trying to figure out exactly. You know, I've finished writing the book and it's been sent to the printer, but I haven't figured out exactly how to talk about it yet. So this is going to be a workshop, maybe. Right. But uh, it came. I, um, I'm always trying to think of like ways to like make eating more vegetables easier, and what I found is that you kind of have to disrupt this like western view of the plate where everything is sort of like anchored around a big piece of protein and so lots of other cuisines do this but like more little things equals more vegetables and so generally um that's been kind of like a way that my my cooking has been going and like i read a cookbook called bowl that was like a similar approach but you're just like taking little things and putting them over rice or adding them to broth or like creating like a a, a bowl full of all these like wonderful complementary components and you can kind of mix and match and you can create different flavors and customize them based on dietary restrictions or whatever your preferences are. And so there's like this interchangeability thing that I always like. And I like thinking of a, like a snack as sort of like a building block of a plate. Um, and so that's always been kind of in the back of my mind. And then through the early part of the pandemic, I mean, I love to cook and I cook all the time, but even that was just like the three meals and the dishes. And it was just like so much cooking um, that dinner became just this strategy of like, let's just empty out the leftovers. You can't dirty any silverware. You can't dirty any other plates. This is like, we have to eat like from this stuff. (laughs) And so like, it was like literally like snacks for dinner was like the tub of hummus. And we had like, cut up vegetables and it was like a little bit of a salad out of a tupperware it was like a little bit of soup and it was it was all the snacks for dinner it was just actually very delicious and really fun and so um in my mind snacks for dinner had always been sort of this almost like depressing thing like eating out of the fridge you know or eating sort of passively or you know not, not necessarily like eating in a in an intentional and fun and exciting way. It was more of this kind of like passive thing. And so I thought that maybe this would be an opportunity to try to like elevate it or or at least like do it with intention. Um, And so in the book, we really, I, I really go into like how to like structure a meal like this. And as I was, you know, finishing off all the recipes, I found it to be such a wonderful way to throw a party. It just makes it a little bit more informal. Um, but also like adds all this variety that's kind of like dazzling and exciting for everybody who's there, and it just you feel so like special when you've got like somebody's gone to the trouble of pulling all this food together, and um, yeah, absolutely. That, that's kind of the spirit of the book.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And lest we forget, the big uh, charcu- charcuterie board trend that we've just oh, yeah, survived. That's still going. That's still going, right? Or as the internet calls it, Shark Coochie.
1: Shark Coochie. <laughs> I haven't heard that one. Everybody to me, is, I always hear just like boards. <laughs> that's no, a...
0: Shark Coochie. <laughs> <That's> pretty <laughs> <As> good. In, <laughs> the coochie of a shark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just in case y'all out there didn't get it. <laughs> S-H-A-R-K. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel, like, I feel like you really hit it on the head that in saying that we have to break away from this idea of the plate being centered around this big piece of protein and then everything else. Because more often than not, everybody I speak to in our busy lives, we're only getting busier. We're only getting more anxious. We're only getting more crazy things thrown at us to deal with, so we're not eating the same ways, right? Yeah. Um And, you know, if if we are blessed in a way that we can eat, like, full, full beautiful meals every night, you know, kudos to you. I can't eat like that. I, it's just not part of the way my life works. And so sometimes I am pulling things out of the fridge, and it's like, you know— almond crackers and hummus and there's oh there's half an avocado in here and oh I I had some turkey chili left over I'm going to have some of that or you know or maybe you snack or you had like a late lunch or early dinner and you're hungry later you end up snacking so it completely makes absolute sense that I feel like we're not realizing that we eat like that more often than not
1: and that's kind of how most of us grew up. Like, as kids, we graze and snack, and you eat when you're hungry. And it's like, and then as you get to be an adult, you sort of like, this structure is imposed on you around, like, the oh, breakfast no, lunch. Not, not, in
0: my, not in Mama Gladys's house. We oh, you always did meal, even we as were, a young kid? We were a clean plate club. We, uh, no, okay. there was, this was the food in the house. We can't afford anything else. You sat down, and you finished what you had.
1: I guess I'm talking about being really young because that's how I ate as well. We always, you know, but um, I feel like there's something intrinsic in this idea of like eating, you know, of grazing and small bites and not necessarily eating three big meals over the course of the day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I think I I portion it out to sometimes four because it's small. It's Mm -hmm. all very small, you know, unless I know I'm going out to dinner or something, then like the The gay body dysmorphia kicks in, and and my meals, and my meals change for the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Um. Oh my God, amazing! And I'm so excited to see it. And congratulations to you on this book. Um, it's well, all you. very, very exciting. And it, I, I wish it much success. What else is on the horizon? Tell the kids before we have to close out here.
1: Gosh, there's not really. I mean. Cookbooks are major. In your mouth, cookbook is the biggest news. Yeah, we
0: we we (laughs) talk about it all the time. So if you're just joining us, or if you happen to miss one of these cookbook episodes, um, cookbooks are a major undertaking.
1: Yeah, it's my these are my babies. It's as I spend two years working on it, and then yeah. yeah. So that's the biggest news on the horizon.
0: Okay, lovely, lovely, lovely. Thank you for the
1: opportunity to chat about it.
0: Absolutely, you are this as much your space as it is mine me mm. podcast as Sue podcast as I say to all my guests you are welcome here um, let the kids know out there where to find you, how to find you, where to buy the magazine, all the things
1: um, I think the best, my, just my name is my, my website is lucasfolger.com and then same thing with Instagram is the social media that I do and that's um,
0: L-U-K-A-S, if yes. you want to. And that's V as in Victor, O-L-G-E-R. I will obviously, as always, uh, put it in the liner notes. But if you're listening and you kind of just wanted and you're searching at the same time because, you know, we are all multitaskers these days, um, that's how you spell it. And I will, yes, I'll, I'll put all the things out in the liner notes and um, help you, you know, share share the book you know, through all the media as well when it drops as as um, well, you know, thank to you. help you out. Yes, of course. You know, it takes a village and that's what we're here for, to lift each other <laughs> up, especially in these crazy times, you know? If yeah, we I point. always say if we learned anything from the pandemic was that we need a little, you know, a little patience and grace and we need to rely on each other to like you know, yeah. lift each other up.
1: You know, yeah, definitely. It takes
0: a, it takes a village for totally. sure. Well, thank you very much for coming on. It was so great to finally see you face to face after I all know. these years.
1: I know. It is it is crazy that it hadn't happened until now. I mean,
0: we've been chatting for so I'm still gagged that we that we have this, been chatting for so long.
1: I know. This also is just like testament to this freaking city how you can like basically like live next door to somebody and then have all these things in common and then never actually be face-to-face, you know? Yes,
0: I, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I'm so excited for what's to come for you, and this is obviously not the end of us. I can guarantee you that in your mouth, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> What else for today? I don't know. Go, uh, you know what? I'm just going to be on the soapbox of spreading joy through these crazy times. Go out there, and if you can afford it, do something nice. Or you don't even have to spend any money. Go do something nice for somebody else, and hopefully they'll pay it forward, and it'll start um, of, a, a domino effect of beautiful things happening in this world because we need more beautiful things in our life to kind of combat everything else that – is happening out there and with that all I have to say is that it's a blessing that you all download and listen to me every week without you all I would be nothing and well you know besides fabulous <laughs> and uh, well all I have to say because now I'm rambling is thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth